Hello, and welcome to the Storyteller's Mission with Zena Del Lowe, a podcast for artists and storytellers about changing the world for the better through story. Throughout season two of this podcast, we've been focused primarily on anti-heroes versus heroes and a biblical moral worldview versus a cynical one. And we've been evaluating and learning some key principles to help us to write better stories. Today, I want to change gears ever so slightly. And what I want to talk to you about is how to break your story. Because what I'm finding is a lot of the work I've been evaluating lately includes people who are getting stuck. And the truth is there are a couple of key reasons why people are getting stuck when they're trying to break down their story. So what I want to address are five easy steps that you can do at the get-go of your story, at the very beginning, before you sit down to write, you can figure out these five steps and it should help you to keep going throughout your whole project. It should help you to not get stuck. And this is also a way for you to ensure that the final project that you have, your first draft, even though all first drafts are crap and need to be rewritten, it will give you a more solid first draft to rewrite. If you just do these five easy steps, it will save you a world of hurt and perhaps prevent you from getting off the path altogether. So let's start with step number one. The very first thing you should do is figure out who your main character is. Now, I know this seems really, really simple and duh. However, it actually isn't. And you would be surprised how many stories I get where the person doesn't actually know who their main character is. Now, this is even more of a common problem in novelists because they often have multiple protagonists that they're working with. And if you change chapters, you're looking at this character's POV, whereas if you're in this chapter, it's a different character's POV. And so because of the fact that they can write from multiple POVs, they actually don't know who their main character is. Sometimes there are multiple so-called main characters and that can foul them up. Because ultimately, even if you have an ensemble piece, you need to have one person who emerges as the primary main character. For example, in a story that I am hopefully going to be adapting into a film, it's the lovely story Five Brides written by Eva Marie Everson. And it's wonderful and delightful and charming about these five women living in post-war America, kind of taking advantage of some of the opportunities available to women in the workplace, kind of living that dream of feminism, that sort of thing. And then one day they are all out together and they see this beautiful wedding dress. And even though none of them are even engaged or dating anyone, it's such a beautiful dress that they all go in together to buy it in the hopes that if they ever do find true love to add to their pursuit of their dreams, that they could each wear this beautiful gown. Now, this is based on a true story. And it's a wonderful story that Eva Marie Everson wrote. It's just lovely. However... You can tell from even the title of the book where there could be a potential problem. The story is called Five Brides, 
which means we have five different storylines. We have five different arcs that are going to be explored in this story. And sure enough, Eva Marie has five different storylines. However, Eva knew which character ultimately was the main character. Even among that ensemble story, there was one primary protagonist. There's one person who emerges as the main character. Now, a lot of times people would think that it's the person who has the most quote, screen time or the most time on the page or the person that we spend the most time with throughout the story. But that's not necessarily the case. In fact, I would argue that in Five Brides, we probably split our time evenly among those different brides. So then the question becomes, well, if it's not the person who is there the most, then how do we know who the main character is? How do we decide on one main character over and against the others? Well, there are several hints or tools that you can use to help you determine in a situation like this who your main character is. For example, number one, your main character should be one of the characters who is making decisions or driving the action of the story the most. Now, in some cases, you may have multiple characters doing this. This is just one evaluative criteria. However, your main character must ultimately, whoever you land on, they have to be a person of action. They have to be in a position to make decisions, to make things happen, to pursue the goal, to make choices to pursue the goal, to go after it. You must have a main character that has that ability. The main character cannot be passive. The main character cannot just be letting things happen to them or be a passive recipient and watch the world go by and evaluating it. This is a mistake that a lot of writers make. They'll even make the main character a writer, which means that they're observing things and describing them. They're narrating them, but they're not actively participant in them. They're not actually doing anything except describing what's going on around them. And that's a mistake because a good main character is active. They're causing things to happen. They're not just waiting around for things to happen to them. Here's another example. One of my coaching clients, Josh, has this wonderful sci-fi fantasy story. And when he originally presented his beat sheet to me, just the basic story outline, the problem was is that he had a main character who really didn't do anything. He knew who his main character was, but at the very beginning, the main character's boss demands that he present at some technology conference and the main character is forced to go along with it, but the main character is contacted by someone from the dark web who wants to meet up with him at this conference, and so that person meets him there and has a proposal for him to consider, and then back at his suite, his girlfriend ends up confronting him about his behavior, and there becomes this big fight, and then she basically abandons him, and he's super upset about it. Well, notice this whole beginning had nothing to do with the main character driving the action. He didn't do anything. He was just the passive recipient. The boss made him present at this conference. Someone from the dark web contacted him. That person reveals themselves to him at the conference. And then he goes home and the girlfriend confronts him. He is passive. He hasn't done anything. 
So even though Josh had this wonderful story world to explore, he already had a very passive main character who wasn't driving any of the action of the story. And in my experience, this happens a lot. So that's something that we had to fix. And we did through our sessions. We figured out how to make this a much more dynamic character who actually takes action, who's actually pursuing something. And again, that means that you have to have a main character, a primary protagonist, who has something to pursue that is tangible. But that's something that we'll talk about more next week as we get into step two of how to break your story in five easy steps. However, for our purposes here, what we're talking about is one of the clues or one of the hints that allows you to decide on a main character, which one of all of them tends to cause the most stuff to happen. So for example, in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, Now, this is a story about two characters, really. It says it right there in the title, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And they're almost always together throughout the story. They're partners, they're buddies, and it is about their relationship. A great deal of the movie is about their special sort of friendship. However, it is Butch Cassidy's story because he's the one that is the leader that keeps making things happen. And Sundance supports him. Sundance stands by him. Now, arguably, Sundance is the more talented of the two. But it is Butch Cassidy who's the big talker and who's the big thinker and the one with all these ideas and the one who has dreams. And he concocts these plans. And then Sundance says, sure, we can do that. And he helps implement them. But Butch Cassidy is the one driving the action of the story. So at the end of the day, even in a story where you have these two characters that seem to be equally matched, it isn't. One of them is more the primary character than the other. Or let's look at Lethal Weapon. In Lethal Weapon, another buddy movie, right, with Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. And so they're both equally important in the story. You have to have both. They're both equal. They probably have equal screen time. I would wager that Danny Glover even has more lines, ironically. So why isn't it Danny Glover's story? Why is it ultimately Mel Gibson's? Well, this is another clue. Here's another hint. It's the person who changes the most over the course of the story. So even if you have an ensemble piece, the question is which character ultimately changes the most over the course of the story? Which character goes through a process of evolution where they are no longer the same at the end? So if we look again at Lethal Weapon, you've got Danny Glover, who's the great cop, a great cop. He's close to retirement. He's a family man. He's got a wife and these lovely children. And I believe he celebrates his 50th birthday at the beginning of the story. So he's older, right? He's going to retire and he's older. On the flip side, you've got Mel Gibson. Now, Mel Gibson is the young guy, the younger guy who is considered a suicide risk by the rest of the squad, certainly by the psychiatrist that works with the police force because he's lost his wife and he's never recovered from that. And therefore he's a risk. He is a wild card. Nobody knows what's going to happen to him. And he shows that. We see that at the very beginning of the story. We see all of these decisions that he makes where it's like he doesn't really care if he lives or dies. And in fact, there's this one scene 
where he has a gun in his mouth. It's a special bullet that he has set aside to blow his brains out. And he particularly has that bullet because he knows if he pulls the trigger, he won't mess it up. He will succeed at killing himself. There's no chance he'll just leave himself a vegetable. He'll die. So he is a suicide risk. But over the course of the story, as he bonds with Danny Glover, he comes back to life in a spiritual sense, in an emotional sense, because he becomes part of this family. He's lost his family, but becoming a friend and experiencing true emotional intimacy with Danny Glover gives him a chance to come back to life. So he's the one who changes most over the course of the story. Now, does that mean Danny Glover doesn't change? Well, no, of course he does. He does change. He changes in the sense that he certainly accepts and comes to appreciate and value Mel Gibson's character in a way that he never would have at the beginning. And he comes to love Mel Gibson like a brother. In fact, that's a big part of the story is this friendship, this friendship that forms between these two characters. So they become very much family. However, even though Danny Glover changes, his essential nature doesn't change that much. He changes in his acceptance and love for this other guy, but he's still the same family guy. He's still a good guy. He was always a good guy. Whereas Mel Gibson goes from hopelessness to hope. At the beginning, he wants to die. At the end, he wants to live. At the beginning, he is hopeless and alone and sad. And at the end, he has love and family and friendship. So he is the one who changes the most over the course of the story. So when you're looking at your own main character, those are some things that you want to ask yourself. Who is the main character? Who is driving the action of your story? Who is changing the most over the course of the telling? And then finally, the last principle you want to look at in terms of just determining who your main character is, is whose point of view are you primarily telling the story through? Now, this is a tricky one because a lot of times we think since we're changing to another scene where perhaps one of the main characters isn't, that it isn't actually told through that character's point of view. For example, in The Graduate, there's this scene where you don't have the main character played by Dustin Hoffman present. And it's all of the adults and they're having this conversation. And they're, I believe they're even looking for him and trying to find him or something. It's been a while. So he's nowhere to be found. He's not in the scene. No kids are in the scene. And yet, even though he's not present in that scene, it's still told from his point of view. Why? Well, because he's the one who's impacted by it. And that's true for a lot of stories. For example, in Harry Potter, you know, the Harry Potter series, you have scenes where Harry Potter isn't present because we're with the bad guys. We're with the villain, right? The villain is the one we're focused on. We're looking through the snake's eyes or whatever the case may be. But the point is that the person who is ultimately going to be impacted by that scene is Harry Potter. 
he's the one who ultimately is impacted by whatever we're revealing in that other scene because it has to do with his story, his arc. So even though he's not in the scene, it still is told because it has to do with him. And in fact, if it doesn't have to do with him or his story, then that would be a scene that we would cut because it means we wouldn't need it. So every scene, ultimately, whether your main character is in it or not, ought to have something to do with the main character's arc. So it's about point of view. And by point of view, I'm talking about whose experience is ultimately in charge of how the story unfolds, who's impacted the most by the things that happen in the story. Okay. I hope that this has been helpful to you. And I also want to be of service to you. If you have a story that you're working on and you need help breaking your story or writing it to the best of your ability, then utilize my services. I offer coaching services and I also have a script critique service. So if you have a manuscript or a screenplay that you need to have evaluated so that it can be improved, I would love to help you. And of course, I do have classes available. Unfortunately, I only have one class that is completed right now and available, and that is a class for screenwriters. It's called Formatting as an Art Form. However, if you are a screenwriter, I highly, highly recommend that you check this class out. You will not be sorry. In the meantime, I want to thank you for joining me on The Storyteller's Mission with Zena Del Lowe. May you go forth inspired to change the world for the better through story.